0: Okay, today, as I was saying earlier, I am going to talk about Jesus. Um, But in particular, I'm going to talk about Jesus and wisdom personified. You know, it's where you get a concept and make it like a a person. An idea and make it like a person. But we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about wisdom. And hopefully I can do this at a reasonable pace. Let's read this verse. This is in this famous chapter. You know, that chapter that says, you know, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, you know, acknowledge you. Beautiful place. Anyway, chapter three of Proverbs, verse one, my son, Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. I was, you know, I was saying just before that in the last week or so I was for some reason being kept up at, you know, from midnight. Midnight through to, you know, one night was nearly two hours, just was annoying me that night. Um, but usually it wasn't that long. Anyway, one of those nights I I got up and I went. And I opened my computer and I, I was reading the scriptures, which, you know, I could open a book, of course, but the computer was there. And Computers are very handy because you can search things very quickly, um, you know, and have, open up two applications and have one passage there and one passage there. And, and I like doing that. And the Lord spoke to me out of Proverbs. And this verse here, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. That second part of the verse spoke to me, but let your heart keep my commandments. So let's go through this. I'm going to rotate around this verse for a little while. So first of all, who's, who's speaking? You know, in that particular, who, who wrote that? Now, obviously, it's Solomon. If you read the first part of the book of Proverbs, It's Solomon who is speaking. We'll read it here. Proverbs 1, verse 1 to 7 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So is, that's the opening of the book of Proverbs, and quite clearly in this section, as you keep reading, it's it's Solomon who's speaking. And um, but then you go, well, where did, where did Solomon get his wisdom from? Do we, you know, well let's let's explore. Do we all know where Solomon got his wisdom from? Well, you yeah, know, obviously, yeah, for those of us who know the scriptures, he got it from God. We, and this is the account in in one Kings chapter three, you know, verses ten to twelve. Um, just before that, you know, Solomon is is talking to God, and God's talking to Solomon, and and God says, you know, ask, have whatever you want. And Solomon says, well, I'm very young and I um, have such a, a big, and, and kingdom, big kingdom to be a king of and I don't really know how to do it. So the thing that he asked for was you know, to be able to, to rule wisely. So he asked for wisdom. And then, this is the Lord speaking. And here in 1 King 3... It says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself, you know, long life or riches or life or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. And so, Solomon's wisdom come from the Lord. He sought it. Solomon's wisdom, God gave it. And so when we go back to this verse, you know, that verse we're talking about, you know, when we hear God speaking, he say, let your heart obey my commands. Who... Who is it that's speaking? Who's really speaking? Well, well, Solomon was speaking, but he was speaking from wisdom that he got from God. And so let's go through this. Keep reading. You know, and now we're up to verse eight in Proverbs. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forgot and for, forsake not your mother's teaching. So here in this one verse, we have both a mother and a And father making an appeal and we know of God that he's neither male nor female God is God is spirit and we also know that both a mother and a father can use the language of my son you know mums say my son dads can say my son and so this this language is, is suggesting that, that whoever it is is speaking can be, is speaking, speaking from a perspective of being both a mother and a father. And we ourselves are created in God's image. And God created us male and female. So we see here in this, this one little verse, all of these little layers where we're both mother, father, male and female... And the wisdom of God, you know, is speaking. So God is the one that is speaking. And so what we're trying to get to is that we know that God's speaking. But wisdom itself here is becoming like is portrayed as being somebody. Not just something, but it's like somebody. We'll go on. You know, let's see. Next verse. Oh, next passage. So here's Proverbs 1, 20 to 21. It says, Wisdom cries aloud in the streets, in the markets. She raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of city gates, she speaks. Now wisdom is being personified. It's actually given a gender. It's like she. It's like a person. And here we see that wisdom is crying out to us into our everyday lives, in, into wherever we go. It says there in that verse in the street, in the markets, at the head of noisy streets. She cries out at the entrance to the city gates. So there is this person, wisdom, crying out to us wherever we go, in our everyday lives, not only on Sundays. And so there's this sense that wisdom is being portrayed as not just an idea, but somebody. And in this case, a female somebody, you know, like a mother, somebody that would want to nurture. And That reminds us of, you know, other concepts in scripture where, you know, it talks about God being, oh, you know, like a, like a mother hen wanting to gather chicks underneath her wings. God uses all this picture language to help us understand who he is and how he loves. Another passage, Proverbs 2 now, verses 1 and 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. So here we have this ability to, um, to actually look for something. You know, it's, it talks here about having a receptive attitude, desiring, valuing, that you, we want to choose what we're going to listen to. You know, having our heart tending towards something. You know, if, if you are, you know, put a marble on a, a flat surface, it's going to roll to in a particular direction. In this building, I've actually noticed if I put a ball, it will roll down to that front corner there because we need to do some renovations on this building and make it level, but it's not level at the moment. Our hearts are similar and What the scriptures are saying here is that we actually contend that we can can choose a direction of where our heart tends. And here we have wisdom crying out to us saying, would you choose me? But there also has this implication that it's not just a concept that we're choosing well no this is a person someone is crying out someone is appealing it's like this is becoming layered not only is wisdom you know associated with understanding and knowledge and the the fear of the Lord but wisdom is also relational it's a person there's there's something more to it and it keeps going he says yes this is in verse 2 chapter 2 verse 3 Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. So it's something that we not only should be leaning towards and tending towards, but actively searching out, desiring, like we would want to go on a treasure hunt, because something of great value. And so when you go through all of these things, you think, well, well, who is it that's really speaking? And the person that is really speaking, the person that wisdom really is, is Jesus. Jesus is wisdom. And you all think, okay, well, it's what, it, what else does the Bible say? You know, so, it's Jesus who's speaking here in Proverbs 3. Yes, it was Solomon who was speaking, and yes, it's picture language in terms of, you know, a, a female, you know, personification being applied to, to wisdom, crying out in the streets. This is poetry. It's an appeal. When you keep reading through passage. it's, it's a direct appeal into, in terms of, you know, riches or unjust or illegal or... You know, dishonest gain and then it talks about foolishness and the folly with regard to the purity and integrity of the heart and sexual sin and warning against the adulteress and there's so many other things as you read into Proverbs but it's a very personal appeal and it's made from, from someone who says my son both a father and then later a female representation like a mother, don't do that son Such love, such nurture. Not harsh, the finger pointed, but no, an appeal. Because you'll notice that every single layer, as you read through these appeals, it's appealing to your choice. Not, Not a coercion, not a manipulation, not a control, but an appeal to your choice. Please choose wisdom. Please choose the way where a path leads to success rather than choosing this other path. That leads to a bad place. So Jesus is speaking. Well, let's prove it. Let's, I've got to try and quickly go through this. There's lots and lots and lots of evidence. And I'll try and do it as quick as I can. A little Ada. Proverbs 3.18. Same language. She is a tree of life. Who is a tree of life? Wisdom is a tree of life. And those who lay hold of her to those who lay... Wisdom is the tree of life. Who is the tree of life? You go to the very last chapter of the Bible and there we have the tree of life. You go to the very beginning of the Bible in the creation and there is the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. Wisdom is the tree of life. Proverbs 3 verses 19 and 20 The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. At the very creation of the earth the Lord did it by wisdom. So wisdom was there at the creation. The Lord by wisdom. Keep going. Proverbs eight, twenty-two and twenty-three. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. What did the Lord who's the mean? If you read around this verse, this is wisdom. The Lord possessed wisdom at the beginning of his work. The first of the acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. So wisdom here in this verse is referred to as me. It's personified. And it's Jesus. And it goes on, Proverbs 8:35: Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. How, how, how do we know what does all of scripture lead towards and point towards, the source of life? Jesus, Jesus is our saviour, Jesus is our deliverer, Jesus is the one who paid the price for our sins, Jesus is wisdom. It goes on, we go to the New Testament, John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The word, the word of God, the word of God is, is pure truth. Jesus is the word. What is the source of all wisdom? Well, it has to be the Word of God. That's where you find it. What, the things that come out of the Father's mouth. The Word became flesh. When the Word became flesh, who was that? It was Jesus. There is so much evidence. Wisdom is Jesus. Jesus said, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Go through the appeal in the Proverbs where the son is saying the father is saying to the son and the mother is saying to the son do not neglect my teaching do not go this way this this personal appeal about the way that they should go and about the way of wisdom truth the way of life I and the father are one Jesus said in John 10 and so if if God, the Father, is the source of all truth and all wisdom, Jesus is one with the Father. Colossians, no, this is Corinthians 1.30. And because of him, you are in Jesus Christ, who became to us wisdom from God. This is the Apostle Paul saying straight out that Jesus Christ became to us wisdom from God the Lord Jesus Christ is wisdom and there's more I I had to cut my the verses short Colossians chapter 2 verse 2 goes on he says there and all the riches and the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge you notice here in this but Colossians passage We have this idea that was brought up in the Proverbs with regard to wisdom being a treasure and that it being hidden and that we're meant to seek out wisdom, we're meant to search for it like we would as treasure and value it. And Right here we find in Colossians Paul saying that Jesus Christ, he says right there in this passage, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We're meant to seek Jesus out, Jesus is wisdom. And here in Revelation 5 worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory honor and glory and blessing right there in the middle of the things that christ is worthy to receive is wisdom and so we know from what we discussed before that all of these things pre-existed creation wisdom was there Because the Bible tells us wisdom was there with the Lord, you know, when He laid out the foundations of the earth. Jesus was there where He was rejoicing with the handiwork of the Father at that time of of the creation. And now we have this place with the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became a flesh, a man. Jesus is a man. Just like you and I, He he was 100% human. Raised and glorified, and in that state, as the worthy Lamb of God who was slain, he has received all of these things power, wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Jesus is wisdom, even in his humiliation, even in that place where he became on earth and he died, suffered as a man, raised up, given the glorified body. Our risen Saviour is wisdom. The Bible proves it in so many ways. And so we don't need to lay down any more evidence, really. In that passage in Proverbs, yes, it was Solomon who was speaking, but it was Jesus. Jesus is speaking to us. And so. And it means that we should pay attention. We should pay attention. And the thing about this particular verse, we'll revisit it again, the one that I always started with. Proverbs 3.1 My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. In Psalm 32, it talks to us about, you know, don't be like a horse or a mule. You know, which need a bit and a bridle, need to be led around. He says, but but get understanding. God, when we follow him and when we you know do the things that he wants us to do, he doesn't want us to do them because we have to. He wants us to do them because we want to. And even more than that. He wants us to do do them because we understand what's going on. We are actually part of the story. Not only are we doing it for the Lord, but we're doing it for ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I mean that the Father and the Son are one. You and I in the body of Christ are one. In the body of Christ, both us as individuals and us as a people are one with the Father and so understanding but in our heart means that we can do things not because we're forced not because we're coerced but because we actually are part of the process this is a mystery that's revealed and so there's different reasons you know for for us you know to keep commandments you know and um one might be fear, you know, and this is not necessarily all bad because there's good fear and bad fear. Like, you know, you don't, you don't stick your, your tongue in a toaster um, because you know that you know, it's hot and there's electricity in there. Um, you know, so that's a fairly good fear. But, you know, it's, it's not the only reason why one would keep a commandment it's not the best reason. Yes, it's a valid reason, but if the only reason why you, know, you, you want to you know, follow Jesus is, is so that you, you don't go to hell, well, then that's a valid reason. Well, it's not the only reason. There's more. There's more. And another reason why we might obey a commandment is, is because we're just, just, just blind laziness. We don't actually want we just take it and face value, and we go, oh, I will do that. And that's also not a bad thing, especially if it's a good commandment. But that's actually not the level of involvement that the Lord's looking for. He actually wants, like we were talking about before, He wants you to understand why. He wants you to be part of it. You can use an analogy in driving. And I, as I teach my children to drive, I try to get them to understand this is that driving is more than steering the car around corners, stopping and starting. Driving is understanding what's going on. Driving is looking at the body language, if there's such a thing of that other car, seeing its posture on the road, being able to in- interpret and anticipate what's going on, what, what that might do, even if they've got no indicator on you know, which way is that car leaning? How far is it going? How fast is it going? What side of the road is it on? What's- and from that information, automatically knowing, oh, very quickly, oh, there's a hazard. And so you can respond quickly even before something's happening because you're understanding something. There's people who drive cars who, who don't have that ability and they're not good drivers. They can get from A to B, mostly safely. But when something happens, they get surprised and they're in a place of risk. Driving is more than steering a car and stopping a car. Driving is about understanding. Obeying God's commandments is about understanding god wants you to be involved he wants you to see the reason why understand the reason why understand the context and know that you're a part of the solution that the lord is implementing in the earth it's not just simply do this do that now of course going back to a driving illustration you know keeping left is important in australia when you're driving down the roads and most of the time if you keep left you'll miss the other car who also keeps left? You know, they're heading in the opposite direction. And most of the time it works, and you should, you should have those basic disciplines in life of understanding these things. But the same concept is true in spiritual things, in terms of understanding commandments. Yes, the basic principles apply. But you look into them and understand, why do they apply? Why are they important? And when you understand that, then you go even further and go, ah, something is awry here. Something's awry. And then you've got advanced notice. So understanding is so, so important. Sometimes we obey commandments just for for selfish gain. And this one's not necessarily a good one. Well, it's not a good one at all. Sometimes you can go, oh yeah, I'm going to do the right thing, but I'm doing it for the wrong reason. You know, we'll use a really, you know, popular example. Say you're, you're cleaning the toilets at the church. I've heard this used many times. And you go, well, I've heard that I'm meant to be a servant. And so I'm going to I'm going to serve, I'm going to go clean the toilets at the church. But the reason why you're cleaning the toilets is so that you can be recognised, so that you can be holy. Now there's a mixture there because there's a little bit of truth in the sense that the act of serving is very good and you should do it. But if you have this sense of entitlement, ah now that I have cleaned the toilets at the church, ah therefore somebody owes me something, ah now we have a problem. Sometimes we can obey the Lord's commandments like that. You know, yeah, I'll do this. Ah, but only if. And therefore, Lord, because I've done this, therefore you have to do that. No, 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 no. It's not about self-righteousness. It's not about selfish gain. No. No, it's about the heart. You go back to this, this scripture, it says, but let your heart keep my commandments. What's in your heart? We talked about recognition just then. Sometimes we obey because we want to be seen. And um, it's not a good motivation. Sometimes it can be simply by duty. Duty is actually a really complicated one. Um, The thing about duty, if duty is your primary reason for obeying a commandment, and it's just duty, that can be very culturally driven. Um, well then there's no real looking forward when you think of duty, duty is about well this is the task that I have to do and I have to perform it right now and I'm going to do it, it's not necessarily thinking about what it's going to achieve Um, duty doesn't necessarily have that sense of personal ownership you're doing it because it has to be done, it's my duty but you're not necessarily owning the task or owning the reason for the task and maybe not even understanding why it's being done but I'm just doing it anyway so so duty can can tie you in knots Um, duty can have this attitude where, where truth rather than grace and truth are present because I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do but the way in which it's done is also important. And we see that in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know? Not only did he do what he heard and he saw his father doing it, but he did it in the way that, he wanted, that the father wanted him to do it. Judy um, also can have this real sense of, of law and judgment. You might be really driven Ah, this is my task, this is my responsibility, I must do this because it's my duty and so if, therefore this, this little sense of, of rule and law can come on it and then when other people don't measure up to it or well, sometimes you yourself might measure up, judgment kicks in. Ah, because you didn't do it, therefore judgment. Law, judgment. So duty is, is not necessarily the best reason and In many ways, duty is a is quite a a dangerous reason for obeying, but but it appears to be good. No, no. The the reasons for our for our obedience, the reasons for doing, you know, and obeying commandments, are far more far more of the heart. Another thing about duty is is task often and appearances um, trumps fruitfulness. You know what I mean by that? I'll try and explain it. If somebody does something because it's duty, then they will do it, and it doesn't really matter whether it produces much fruit. But I will do that thing, and doing the thing is more important than what that thing doing that thing actually achieves. And this is another reason why duty, as the central focus, can be dangerous. Is if the only reason you're doing it because it needs to be done, and if somebody else doesn't do it as good as you, well no, then, then they're no good. This is introducing all these problems into life and into relationship. Duty really is very problematic, even though it's, even though we do have a duty. But a duty is not what should motivate us. Why does the Lord Jesus Christ call us to obey his commandments? It's because he wants us to bear fruit to the glory of the Father. He wants us to be fruitful. Oh, there's, there's more the whole idea of duty can, you can have this imposed expectation, you know. Not only can you do it to yourself, like I am duty bound to do this, but you, the whole idea of duty can do it to others. It's your duty to do this. And so, then imposed expectation rather than, than a response to faith. The Lord Jesus Christ wants us to obey. His commands because we believe what is in that command. Because it's wise. We, we you pick an illustration, say warfare. You are duty bound if you are conscripted by the government to go to war, you have to go that's what the law says. They've declared martial law, you've got the letter in the mail, you're off to the front line, you've received your training, and that's your duty. And in that context, you, you have to do it. And it's, it's an imposed expectation, regardless of where your heart is. And if that's your motivation for obeying a command, it's not really what the Lord wants what the Lord wants rather is a response to faith. So in that same context of war, rather than being conscripted and imposed, have a duty imposed upon you if you were one of those ones that runs in and volunteers and says I'll go because you believe, you know, you want to fight because some injustice is going on completely different reason for going to war. Completely different reason for being a soldier. It's because you understand something. You go, something's happening. I want to intervene. This cannot this cannot be allowed. I will join. I'll sign up. Completely different motivation. And it's the second one that the Lord wants in terms of the reason why we obey him. He doesn't impose himself on us. He invites us. He wants us to understand And we're actually a part of the solution. Now then there's all these good reasons you know for you know why we should keep a command. Love and in love is so many things. Relationship, honour, submission recognition obedience the future you know Wisdom has all of those things in it. relationship. It values relationship. Wisdom honours. It doesn't pull people down. Wisdom recognises the grace. And, you know, if somebody is in authority over you, wisdom recognises that authority and says, well, how can I put myself under that authority so that I can be part of something bigger than me? How can I help how can I progress these things I don't need to be on top I want to be a part recognizing authority is is an important part of wisdom it's it's an important part of love it's recognizing and you know putting your place putting yourself in that place in submission under someone and something that empowers you and puts you into a place of the best potential that's that's what true submission is Submission is not, you know, devaluing yourself. Submission is positioning yourself in a place of appreciating your own value. You know, the reason why you submit to laws is because laws protect. I'm talking about good laws. You know, that's another subject. Another message for another day. Recognising grace that the Lord Jesus Christ gives to others. The wisdom does that cooperates, rather than feels threatened by it. And all of these things you find in love, you know, obedience. You know, obedience is not obedience unless you want to. If someone forces you, well, it's not obedience anymore. And the future, you know, wisdom looks to the future It doesn't, it's not not short-sighted. It thinks, oh, it it looks for unknown, unforeseen consequences. It, It looks around in the circumstances. Jesus does all of those things. Jesus is the master at it. And all of these things, reasons why we keep commands. And then you go back to that verse my son, do not forget my teaching but let your heart read that again but let your heart keep my commands it's our heart that the Lord's looking for we look through all of these reasons as to why we may or may not keep commandments and they're all issues of the heart and so I found this little picture you know, hands there in the sky You know, fingers in the shape of a heart. The name of Jesus written right there in the middle. And what does Jesus want? What does Jesus do by his spirit? He writes his word on our heart. Who is Jesus? Jesus is wisdom. He wants us to be involved. He is a source of grace. And... Very often, we in our own humanity, our own wisdom, we have our own way of thinking, which can be independent. And all of the, the, the wrestles and things we do with ourselves, grappling, why Lord, why this? Or Lord, why, all of the eyes. I'm the most important one. These selfish things that, that's a human issue we all have it. And Jesus is the answer. And so that verse, it's speaking to me and it should speak to us all and it does speak to us all. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ is doing the speaking. Let your heart obey my commands. And it's worth our time to reflect, to be prayerful of what, what truly is written on our heart. Why? Why is it that we do the things that we do? And is it wisdom that's speaking? Is it wisdom that we're listening to? And if we're not listening to wisdom, well then we're not listening to Jesus. And that's, that's quite challenging because there's a lot of things we do that means that we're not listening to Jesus. So I thank God for his grace. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your patience. Thank you that you remember that we are but flesh. Lord, I thank you that you, as the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, do speak to our hearts. Lord, would you write your ways all the more on our hearts? Thank you that you are not interested in twisting our arm, that you're looking for us to understand and to follow you out of understanding. Lord, would you grant us grace to mature as a people and mature as individuals? Lord, I ask you for this grace. Lord, in in preaching a a message like this, Lord, I know the application is is to my own heart and to the heart of all of your people. But Lord, it's also, Lord, an application into, into a town, into a region, into a nation. Lord, because wisdom does cry out. And Lord Jesus, you came. You came as a man. You submitted to death, even death on a cross. You overcame sin, death, hell, the grave did not hold you. You are our risen Savior, and you are the source of all wisdom. May the ways of Christ, Lord, have that do that deep work in our nation, and here in Mount Morgan, would. Your will be done. May the voice of wisdom be heard. And may the voice of folly be taken out. Lord, would you remove the voice of folly in this town, I ask in Jesus' name. Lord, remove the voice of folly from schools. Remove the voice of folly from commerce. Remove the voice of folly from governance. Lord, in this, the local in the state and in the federal. Lord, remove the voice of folly and may the words of Christ be heard. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So if there is some witness in your own heart where you would like to ask the Lord's help, with regard to obedience and the reason why you would follow His commands, if the Holy Spirit's just touching a spot, then come out here. After I'm going to close right now, just just come out here and we we'll, we can pray about it, because the only one who can speak into your heart in a way to change that thing so that you obey the command from your heart for the right reason is the Lord. The Holy Spirit can do it. He does it. And He will do it. So, many blessings. Let us have morning tea.